being Tiger Woods was a grind, and it, it wore him down, and it, it, he wasn't so happy in his life as we all assumed he was. You know, if, if, if you define success for Tiger as winning tournaments and winning majors, then it should have been over the moon, but I think it became a chore to him, and he lost some of that passion that he had, you know, turn of the century. You know, that, that helps explain how did Tiger allow everything to crumble? You know, there's an element of self-sabotage, right? I mean, in, in this media environment that we're in, did he really think he could get away with it forever? I mean, it's hard to imagine. Welcome to the Clubhouse Podcast. I'm Shane Bacon, and it's a midweek podcast. Yes, normally running them early in the week, but uh, a story broke and we had to have the writer on. If you've been on the internet this week, especially the last couple of days, uh, you've seen Alan Shipnuck's story for, for SI.com and in the upcoming issue of Sports Illustrated. What happened to Tiger Woods? It's the most vexing question in sports. A lengthy dive. And then not only Tiger Woods' career now, but where he came from and his amateur days and really just trying to understand uh, the complex story that is Tiger Woods. And uh, it's interesting, on the eve of the Masters, uh, we're talking about the 472nd ranked player in the world, a 40-year-old whose last PGA Tour win came in April of 2013. That was before Jordan Spieth was even a PGA Tour winner, his last major win coming in June of 2008, two years before Rory McIlroy won on the PGA Tour. And when you think about it, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, without another win or another major title, could go down as the most, uh, the, the biggest fall from grace in, in, in sports history, not just with golf. So uh, obviously a lot to dive into. If, if you haven't checked out the story, make sure you read it. Uh, it'd probably be worth your time to pause the podcast right now and go knock it out. It's going to take you probably uh, 10, 12, 15 minutes to get through it. It's, it's lengthy. It's six pages long. Um, and we talked his story uh, on SI.com and about his legacy and future and if this new generation of players uh, could potentially run into similar problems with fame like Tiger did. Uh, so it was a really interesting conversation. I was really glad uh, we got to get him on the podcast. Um, so here we go. Alan Shipnuck for Sports Illustrated and his... Uh, viral story, what happened to Tiger Woods. Alan, thanks for taking a minute to, to, to stop in and talk to us. I'm happy to be here, although certainly Herbert Warren wind is rolling over in his <laughs> grave right now. But I've been I've been I've been catching up on some uh on some US Open writing from back in the day to get myself ready for Oakmont. And uh and I'll just say it's it, it, it was a it was a different time back then with the way they wrote about the sport, but not not a bad time. It was just uh it was a lot more elegant I thought. But Anyway, here we are, uh, and first things first, I have to say, uh, people are saying we're in a new golden age of golf. I mean, Jordan Spieth shoots 30 under in the first event of the year, coming off two major wins. We've got Rory, we've got Adam Scott, uh, Jason Day and Adam Scott both are trying to really turn the PGA Tour into Australian winners only. Why a story on a man that, that hasn't teed it up in 2016 for the cover of SI? Well, you know, he looms large by his absence. You know, this will be the second time in, in three years Tiger hasn't played the Masters. And, you know, that's always the tournament that's defined him going back to his breakthrough in 97 and, and all the heroics that followed. So, you know, for for you and I who follow golf religiously, um, you know, Jordan Spieth and Jason Day and these guys are our new deities, right? We're, we're so into what they're doing. The casual fan who's, you know, a subscriber to Sports Illustrated, who maybe only watches the Masters and occasionally the U.S. Open. And um, those folks still, Tiger's still their, their North Star, you know, when they think about when they think about the game. And 
they kind of know he's he's out of action. He might be hurt. There's, there's just some weird stuff with his chipping. But I think unless you follow it closely like we do, there's there's still so many questions that remain. And so I, that was kind of the idea was um, this, the Masters is when the whole sports world thinks about golf and Tiger's still the biggest star in the game, no matter what you know Jason Day or uh, Jordan Spieth does next week. And uh, so it just felt like the right time to catch up with what's happened in his world and try and figure out where he's gone, how did he get there, where he's going, and, and sort of answer the unanswerable. And in golf, especially now, I mean, we're seeing players well into their 40s uh, winning big events, uh, contending, obviously Phil Mickelson having a big year and he's 45 years old. Yet you look at Tiger Woods, and this is a guy that, um, and you you wrote perfectly about it, I thought, the way you said, you know, he came back and he won, but he wasn't dominant in his wins. And I thought that was really interesting. Is there still an opportunity, is there still a chance that there's another comeback in Tiger Woods, in your opinion, especially through your reporting? I don't think so. You know, I think the Tiger Woods era is over. Um, it's such a tall mountain to climb. And, you know, I, I get into all these stats in the story, but if you look at 2009, you know, his last his last healthy year pre-scandal, you look at 2013, his last, you know, healthy year after the scandal, Tiger was basically eight shots worse per tournament when you factor in the, the strokes gained in putting, short game, and driving. And 2009 is not even one of his best, you know, eight years. He he was just a, a lesser player even when he was mostly healthy. Um, there's there's a lot of a lot of factors for that. I don't know if we want to go into all of them in this short time that we have, but um, you know this notion that he just has to get his back healthy and he can he can go back to being number one is I mean that's wishful thinking. Uh, his body's broken down. His, his technique is deteriorated. He's built up a tremendous amount of scar tissue these last few years. Um, and it just doesn't seem like he has the same desire. You know, the two people who are closest to Tiger in the last decade were, you know, Steve Williams and Hank Haney, and, and both talk about how his work ethic fell off even before the scandal. Um, so, you know, there's just there's just a lot of questions floating around Tiger. Uh, there's an element of, of you know, wish fulfillment. We'd, we'd love to see one more glorious run from Tiger. I mean, how much fun would that be? You know, it's, it's the thrill of a lifetime for, for all of us to have seen him at his best. And, course we'd like to get another glimpse but uh, I think I think uh, I think those days are over and now we have to appreciate what what we did have and stop pining for it and and, and just kind of recognize that there's you know time marches on there's this new generation and they'll be measured against what Tiger did but not what he's going to do from this point forward yeah and and, and the scar tissue thing's interesting because you know something I've really preached about Tiger and and the new Tiger post-scandal Tiger is um, you know, this was a guy that never got defeated in his life. I mean, he won everything. He was the most popular athlete the moment, you know, he turned pro in 97 and, or 96 and, and, you know, wins the Masters in 97. And all of a sudden, you know, he's on top of the world and, and, and another SI cover, uh, you know, in the Hello World commercial. And he finally got defeated. And I thought the Padraig Harrington quote about missing the eight footer and, you know, the, it's a lot easier to miss him after you miss the first one. Um, I thought that was really telling because it's another pro saying, you know, another major winner, multiple major winner pros saying, um, you know, you can see it in him as well. That being said, I did find it interesting that even the people closest to him, the Hank Haney's and such, still say you can't count him out yet. And, and, and even after all the things that have happened and the, and the injuries and the time away, uh, it's, it's interesting that even those people 
that have been around him so much still think maybe he's got one more run in him? Oh, it's sort of that, that cult of personality that Tiger created. He was so great. He did so many incredible things. We became almost... We almost expected him to to do the 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 impossible, and he came through so often that he kind of warped the the um, the expectations that are realistic for any athlete and any golfer. And so, uh, I, I think there's that's just sort of residual magic dust that he sprinkled around the golf world that people still feel like um, you know he, Tiger was special in, in a really profound way, but. Um, you know, he, it was always going to end for him at some point, right? He, uh, you didn't expect it to be when he was 32 or 33. You know, it just seemed like he had an endless future. But you know, if you look at Palmer, if you look at Watson, you know, Trevino, a lot of the greatest players of all time had fairly short windows. I mean, Palmer won all his majors in six years. Uh, Tiger won more, and he won longer. But uh, it ends for everybody, and, you know, uh, there's a there's a quote from Jeff Ogilvie at the at the end of this story, which you know it it's, it it still moves me when I read it, even though I've read it a hundred times now. And um, just about how uh, you know he just Tiger just did things that were unexplainable, you know, like through common sense and golf history and um, everything else. But it couldn't go on forever. We we sort of lost sight of that for a while. But um, you know, I mean, Arnold just talked about those. Yeah, that that. That pretty amazing interview with Charlie Rose a few years ago, when he said, "You know, it's undefinable that thing that you have that make that allows you to win, and then when it's gone, you don't even, you don't even know what it was, but you can't get it back." And right. um, and that's that's just where Tiger is now. And when when did you begin? Uh, when did you come up with the idea of this piece? And when did you begin the the reporting for it? Well, 1996. You know. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Tiger and I turned pro the same year. He, he came, I came out of UCLA a few months before he came out of Stanford. So our, our careers have, have um, been paralleled all this time. And I've always, of course, followed him. He's loomed over my professional life in, in a big way. So um, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. I've always been squirreling away anecdotes and stories and, and thoughts. But... Um, and we, we've circled around Tiger a lot through the years. You know, it's tough because you know going in you're not going to get any access. I mean, nobody is. Um, so do you want to invest the time and the pages and the resources to do a story where the subject's not going to participate? Um, and sometimes we've just said no, but it just felt like this was the moment. We needed, we needed to weigh in and, and check in with Tiger. But it's actually funny. I went down to the the Hero World Challenge to um, to write a Jordan Speed piece for our, our Sportsman of the Year issue. He was not Sportsman, even though I thought he should have been. But we we still did a big feature, and that was kind of my last chance to watch him play and and get some time with him. So I was down there, and Tiger, you know, he had that really downbeat press conference, and he was shuffling around like an old man. You know, the student, he was it wasn't too long since he had his third back surgery, and he just looked so diminished. I was really struck by that. And at the same time, uh, you know, Wright Thompson, great writer for ESPN the magazine, he was down there working on the Tiger story, and, he, and I'm buddies of Wright. And when when he told me that, I said, "Oh, you poor bastard! That's the worst assignment <laughs> in the world." You know, oh, a huge Tiger story. Thank God it's you and not me. And in fact, even though he's he's ostensibly a competitor, I actually gave him a few nuggets um, from my my mental files and and. Uh, we gave him a few ideas and even a few phone numbers, I think, because 
you know, I, I like writing. I know how hard a story it is to do. And I come home, and, you know, I think it was maybe 10 days later, I get a phone call from our executive editor, John Wertheim. He's like, what do you think about a big tiger story? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. I love it. It's just genius, boss. You know, we got to do it. And um, so it's pretty funny how it, how it worked out. And um, so I really I, I started working on it in earnest or this golf season. You know, I did interviews at Torrey Pines at Pebble Beach. I went to the Honda, um, sniff around, you know, the, the Woods Jupiter and, and, and talk to more players and, and burn up the phone lines and Read a bunch, you know, I've, I've got an entire bookshelf of Tiger books. Some of them, you know, go back to the mid '90s and pulled all those out and reread them. And um, st- you know, I was wa- watching YouTube highlights and, and old videotapes and uh, interview notes from many previous stories. And so it's it's been essentially a three month project to you know get this story in print. And uh, and you mentioned in the story that the Tiger declined comment. Um, on everything, but he did talk about his foundation. Um, you, you knew going in, and you've already mentioned it, you knew that, that access was going to be limited, if anything. Um, I mean, how many times did, did you reach out to his camp just trying to get um, something from them, some some word, some note, uh, really any quote from, from those guys for this? Well, I went to him at the beginning and said, I'm you know, doing this huge Tiger story, and um, of course, you know, the dream would be to, to sit, sit down with him and chop it up, and... Um, his agent Mark Steinberg wrote back. Well, he already did the, you know, the tiger, the tiger at forty looking back thing, you know, for his website. <laughs> you know, those are like the little, right. little posts that somebody ghostwrites for Tiger. I was like, well, looking for something a little, a little more depth than that. Um, you know, they declined, and that's fine. I mean, I, you got to make the phone call, but I never really expected to get Tiger. But uh, you know, I, I did want this to, to be a, a balanced look at who this guy is and all parts of his life, and so. I'd never been to the Tiger Woods Learning Center, and I figured this was the time to go down and really check it out. So I spent a day in Anaheim, and um, massively impressive facility, and the people are, are great, and the kids that have passed through there are so cool. Um, really, really loved everything about it. And so I went back to them and said, listen, you know, I'm going to be writing about the foundation. Can I at least talk to Tiger about that? I mean, there's, there's no downside there for you guys, right? There's no trap door. And they said, oh, I email us the questions, which, of course, I hate because... Um, you have no idea who's sending you the answer back. Yeah, you have no idea who's even typing up the answers. And it's also it's just so sterile. There's no sense of real back and forth, and you can't really follow up. But whatever. So I sent off a bunch of questions and got some answers, which sounded very much like Tiger. <laughs> having listened to his, his press conferences uh, for two decades. So I'm, I'm sure there were his answers in some capacity, but... Um, you know, um, it's better than nothing. I was glad to have his voice in there, and I, I was happy to get into the foundation stuff because I, I think it's a very important part of his future, and he sees it as a as a really big piece of his legacy. So, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a nice it's a nice it's one component in a long story, and I was I was happy that Tiger at least participated in that. Uh, and I was going to ask you, uh, what new thing did you learn about Tiger? You know, through this three month process, but I'm assuming it's probably something about the foundation. Well, certainly, you know, I. Um, I've always been aware of it, but I, I didn't realize the extent that he's supported it with his time and, and his checkbook. I mean, he's, he's poured at least $25 million into um, the foundation through the years. But more than that, he just deeply, he cares. You know, he he kind of presides over every board meeting. He just um, in, kind of insisted they come up with a five-year um, plan to, to take, to export the curriculum internationally. You know, I think the Khan Academy is sort of a, a model where, 
um, they're not going to be able to bring kids from um, impoverished countries to Anaheim, but they they can they, the science and technology based curriculum they can make free and available, and and that could reach a lot of kids and um, a, a lot of stuff like that, which uh, which I, I thought was really cool and impressive. But I, there, you know, I like I said, I followed Tiger my whole life, and I thought I knew everything about the guy, but connecting all the dots was really edifying for me. I really. I think the biggest takeaway I got from from having some long conversations with Hank Haney and with Sean Foley and a lot of players who are close to Tiger is just the sense that he's a kind of at peace now that um, being Tiger Woods was a grind and it, it wore him down and that maybe he wasn't it, 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 he wasn't so happy in his life as we all assumed he was you know if, if if you define success for Tiger as winning tournaments and winning majors, then he should have been over the moon. But um, I think it became a chore to him, and and he lost some of that passion that he had, you know, turn of the century. And you know that that helps explain, you know, how how did how did Tiger allow everything to crumble? You know, there's an element of self sabotage, right? I mean. In, in this media environment that we're in, did he really think he could get away with it forever? I mean, it's hard to imagine. And, you know, there was there's a quote from Haney, which I thought was really powerful about, you know, if, if he doesn't want to be Tiger Woods anymore, you know, the only way this whole thing can end is if he self-destructs. And, you know, it could have taken any number of different forms, but, but we know how it did. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it, I wound up having a lot of empathy for Tiger that, you know, his life was, was more of a challenge than probably any of us could imagine. Not, not that we need to get out the violin strings. I mean, um, but it was it wasn't easy being who he was and competing on that level and the toll that it took. And um, you know, just, one of the questions I asked a lot of you know the guys who were really close to him, the Jason Gores who grew up in, in junior golf, the Charles Howell who's played you know fifty or sixty just casual rounds at Isleworth, Steve Stricker who was his private you know putting coach essentially. You know, I asked all these guys, have you, ever had, have you ever had dinner with Tiger? And they all said, no, not once. Like, um, and Gore said, God, I would have loved that. I wish he would have invited me. You know, that would have been so much fun. I said, well, why didn't you invite him? He's like, nah, it doesn't work that way with Tiger. Yeah, the, but, the, the irony sits there since he, you know, he started a restaurant in Florida. <laughs> he doesn't eat exactly. dinner with anybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, that's, I mean, it's just, uh, he would, by, by personality and by necessity and by the, the demands of fame and everything else, he just really isolated himself. And, you know, I mean, I asked all these guys, who, who are Tiger's friends? And no one seemed to know that either. And so you get this picture of this guy who's who's pretty lonely and pretty isolated. And the one thing that always defined him has been taken away from him. And, you know, you have, you have to wonder how much he's struggling with all that. You know, I mean, he pretty candidly said he just sits around playing video games a lot at home. He's in this giant dream house he built with his, you know, his now ex-wife and, I mean, certainly loves being a dad, and his kids are very important to him. But you know, half the time they're not there, and um, so it's uh, it's not quite you know Charles Foster Kane, but you know you can you can kind of see it's easy to imagine Tiger um, feeling a little I feel a little lonely and isolated now, and the golf has been taken away from him, and, and it's sad, frankly. Yeah, and and you know Tiger lived through the internet age to an extent. I mean, when you think about. Um, when he came up, and, and then you think about the scandal, you know that was a time where you know the the internet was 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 taking off, and that was a time where the stories are flying around. You mentioned the the front pages 
of the New York Post 20-something in a row um, of Tiger Woods and in the scandal. And I think you even mentioned it was the biggest internet uh, scandal that's ever happened is what happened with Tiger Woods. Do, do you fear for these young players, uh, the Rory's, the Jordan Speeds, that that have lived through this their entire time? I mean, you can't get away from it. This is this is every day. Everything you do is going to be documented and, and posted and taken a picture of. I mean, is there a fear that, that there's burnout that's going to come quicker to the young young players? No question. I think we're going to see that um, golf is going to be more like tennis. You know, you have to you have to win early. You have to win a lot because these players are going to peak younger and they're going to burn out faster. And this notion that you're, you're going to be like Vijay Singh and play into your you know 40s and early 50s, I don't I don't see it. You know, it the it starts at a much earlier age now with with AJGA and and big time college golf. You have guys turning pro when they're 19. The international travel, the media demands, you know, the huge money is is um, a complicating factor. It just makes life um, in some ways easier, but also bigger and more complicated. It's just, um, you know, look at look at Speed. He's like he's dragging up and down the fairway right now. He's totally burnt out. Nice. I think it's a short term thing, but you know, Rory is in his case is slightly more troubling because he does seem to have lost some of his passion for. Not only the game, but just the life that comes with it. You know, I mean, he had that quote about how you know when he was when he was younger, he, he couldn't he just lived for tournaments, he couldn't wait to get to the course, and now he he looks forward to his weeks off. And nothing wrong with that, but um, you know, it's it's a long career theoretically, and I think these guys are going so hard, so young, and you know they're making stupid money by the time they're 22. I mean, Jordan Speed, what did he make? 55 million dollars last year, and right. Um, he clearly has a passion to be great and, and for excellence, but, um, you know, it's just, I, I think it, once again, Tiger unwittingly is the template, you know, he it turns out that his career was pretty much over by 33. And, um, so I think that, I think it's definitely a concern. I mean, social media is only one part of it, but there is that, that, that sense that you're, you're always in the public eye and, you know, remember that when after Phil won the Masters, um, I guess it was in 2010, and they snapped the the girl at Krispy Kreme drive through <laughs> snapped him in the green through. packet. And yeah. what he said, you know, that, that was when I really realized that everyone is media. Right. The whole world is media now. And look and at the it, stories that are headlines right now. I mean, Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler hang out on a boat, and that's across every internet platform. And it's not just a, it's not somebody retweeting it. It. It is a it is a generated post with that picture being the quote unquote story, and I mean if you're those guys, it, it, you almost feel like you'd say, hey everybody, put your cell phone in, in in a in a hat and we're gonna hide it because you know at least give me a, a chance to enjoy myself for four hours without knowing. And I mean, listen, they're posting it. I mean, it's on them, but right, you know, right. that's the irony is well, they, you know, it it cuts both ways. They they you know obviously. Speed to Ricky, they're excellent on social media, and that's part of how they connect with fans and grow their brand and all that. So it it can help them as well. But um, you know, it's it's an issue with these golfers. I mean, uh, you look at Bubba Watson; he was he was a late bloomer. He didn't really, he hasn't, didn't find himself till his early to mid thirties, and that, that's going to be an increasing rarity. You know, and like you know, Tom Watson, he didn't he didn't know how to. He didn't know how to win. He didn't know how to play golf until he got on tour. It took him a long time to figure it out. But it's so cutthroat now. Um, you, you can't really spend five years apprenticing on the PGA Tour. You know, you'd be lucky to be on the Latin American Tour if that's 
you have to come out as more of a, a fully formed player, and that's okay. But it starts it starts the clock ticking a lot sooner. I mean, a lot of the old timers have this belief: you have you have a finite number of putts you're going to make in your life, right? right? And and these guys are using them up at an earlier age. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see how a guy like Spieth can navigate these choppy waters for the next. 15, 20 years, if he can still be relevant, um, you know, deep into his 30s. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if he did. But again, as you mentioned, I mean, we're already seeing go, seeing Jordan Spieth kind of go through a lull. And I mean, I know it's only been a, two months since it's two and a half months since his last win. But I mean, it's a little bit of a lull. And as you mentioned, it, it shows on his face. I mean, you you see it. I mean, you see it in the, in the press conferences. You see it, um, you know, when he's out on the golf course and things aren't going his way. And I mean, it's a little bit different than the 19-year-old kid we saw. And I mean, it, what is it? It's only been two and a half years ago. So, I mean, it, it's just the pressures and demands seem to be high and it obviously can't be helped um, with social media. But I, I wanted to ask you, uh, in, in your opinion, just going back to Tiger for a minute, in your opinion, is Tiger the, the greatest golfer we've ever seen? Well, the way I phrase it is Tiger's the most dominant golfer of all time and Nicholas has had the greatest career. You know, Jack's longevity and his ability to do it for almost a quarter century um, and, you know, winning majors um, at, when he was when he was a kid and when he was when he was a, almost a grandfather. I mean, you have to give a nod to Jack. But, you know, Tiger played at a, at a higher level than Nicholas ever did. Um, Sam Snead, you know, I mean, Tiger had he had six seasons where he won six tournaments or more. I mean, that's dominant. Jack only did that twice. Um, you know, Tiger winning seven out of eleven majors at one stretch. It's you know, it's, it's incredible. Now Ben Hogan played at a level that Tiger did for a, there was a, a window of two to three years where he, his his best golf is, is as good as Tiger's was, but Tiger did it longer than Hogan ever did. And um, so you know, I, I think I think I think Tiger is the most dominant player by far. But uh, you certainly. You know, you have to factor in Hogan's Army service. He hadn't lost those five years in the bus crash. You know, that's a big what if. But, that, um, you know, I, to me, Tiger is the most dominant golfer, period. Uh, you can you can give Nicholas the overall nod, but even others might say, listen, you know, given given the um, the margins by which Tiger won his majors, the deeper fields, um, the equipment advances, you know, maybe, maybe Tiger's even greater than Jack and, you know, the case can be made either way. But yeah. if, if he would have had, if Tiger would have had four or five more healthy seasons, who would have known? Um, I mean, after all of the research you've done and, and all the reporting and, and talking to people, I mean, are we going to see Tiger Woods play pro golf again? Yeah, who knows? Uh, um, I, I feel like, you know, for Tiger, I think this time away is he's, he's weighing all of these questions. And I don't know if he knows the answer to that. You know, you look at, you look at the last couple of years were so brutal for Tiger with obviously the injuries, but also the chip yips, you know, shooting 85 at the Memorial, um, 80 at Chambers Bay, missing a cup by a mile at the old course. Um, on one hand, I'm sure he would like, like he would, he would appreciate to have a better finale and go out with, with a more of a grace note. Um, then again, maybe, Maybe that was so traumatic. He's like, "Do I really want to go through this again?" And the incredible amount of effort it takes, physical rehab, and trying to get the game sharp just to come back and get my teeth kicked in. Right. Um, you know, there, there's a great quote from Haney in this story about um, this. 
this is the right time for Tiger to walk away because the narrative becomes, you know, injuries ended his career and and cost him a chance to um, to catch Jack, and that that sounds better than he lost his desire or just threw it all away with the reckless behavior in, in his personal life. And you know, there's a lot to it. You know, um, Tiger he can, he can walk away now and and just say his body was broken and he doesn't he doesn't have to suffer out there on the golf course anymore. And he, he was definitely suffering. So. I think he's trying to figure out if, if it's worth it. Does he want to try and climb the mountain one more time? Uh, I'm not sure he knows that answer, and I certainly don't. <laughs> and, and lastly, um, you know, it's 30 years or, or so since, uh, I guess it'd be, we're coming up on it, um, since the, the greatest Masters of all time. Um, are you, uh, do, do you see the Jack moment at Augusta is the only thing that could match that in the sense of drama, Tiger coming back one more time and having a run and winning a major? Well, that would, that would be epic. I mean, obviously if it, it would probably it would be without a doubt, the greatest achievement of his career. If he could come back and win another major, everything he's been through, it, it's, it would, it would dwarf the, you know, Torrey Pines open. Um, but it's, I think the best thing we could hope for is he could just come back and and be be somewhat relevant. And but you know if you, if you get a playoff with uh, Jordan Spieth and and uh, Rick and Roy McIlroy, I mean um, that that's that's the best case scenario I think going forward. I'm not counting on Tiger for anything. <laughs> I don't, me neither. I just it would be uh, it sure would be interesting. Uh, Alan, I appreciate you obviously taking some time. If you guys uh, haven't read it yet, what happened to Tiger Woods is on. SI.com. It'll be in on uh, bookshelves, what, this week, this next coming week? Yeah, subscribers will get it probably tomorrow, and it's definitely on, it's on SI.com, it's on golf.com. It's in your tablet, it's in your ear. We're, we're beaming <laughs> it directly into your brain from SI headquarters. So it's, You'll it's see out. it. You will see it. We'll, we'll tweet it out as well with a link uh, here to the podcast. You can follow him as well at Alan Shipnuck. And, uh, again, make sure you give him a follow and follow him as Masters Week comes up because he always has uh, great stuff and one of the, the best golf riders out in, in really the entire world. So we appreciate it. And, again, thanks for this story. It was a lot of fun to read. Thanks for having me, Shane. This was a blast. So there you have it. Alan Shipnuck, uh, nice enough to join us and give us some great stuff on Tiger uh, and really the story and, and, you know, kind of his process in writing it and really about, uh, about you know, what comes when you – pretty much take on the biggest name in all of sports still, which is crazy to think. Again, this is a guy that hasn't won a major championship, pretty much how we define great players since 2008. And yet the moment he does anything, the moment he tweets anything, the, the moment he posts a video online, um, you know, it completely takes over the golf world and, and a lot of the times the sporting world as well. So uh, the story's great. Again, if you haven't read it, make sure you go to SI.com and check it out. It's, it's definitely worth your time. Even if you're not a big golf fan, definitely worth your time as a sports fan. And again, thanks to Alan. Uh, if you have any questions for us for upcoming podcasts, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at the Clubhouse Pod or use hashtag ClubhouseSB. And we'll be back next week. We have a huge, huge guest for next week for Masters Week, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, so make sure you look out for that. And again, uh, a great chat with Alan. So that'll do it for us here at the Clubhouse. Have a great weekend. Get some golf in. It's Masters Weekend next week.